0: Hi, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. It's a podcast for product managers, product marketers, innovators, and entrepreneurs, everyone who's concerned about finding market problems, working with development and engineering teams to create amazing solutions to those problems, and then taking those solutions to market successfully. I also talk about a lot of critical business skills for business success, like persuasion and influence. Today's episode, number 333, is a blast from the past, I started this podcast back in November 2014, and this is actually the second episode. It's on the topic of the product management system of record and kind of how to cobble one together with a wiki. And it's from way back there in November 2014. You probably haven't heard it because it's only been available on the secret product manager handbook site, but not in the regular All the Responsibility feed. I did change podcast feeds the next year. Now, I mentioned at the beginning a small product conference I was speaking at the weekend after I recorded the episode. And at that conference, I presented my idea about a product management system of record and the little prototype that I mentioned that I built in Confluence. More importantly, at that conference, I met Hubert Palin, who was in the process of starting Product Board at that time. Now, at the time, and still today, I consider Product Board to be the closest application in the market to what I would consider a product management system of record, as I describe in the episode. So it was really great timing. Now, Product Board is obviously not baling wire and chewing gum, which is what I described using in the episode, but I'm afraid most product management organizations don't even have the version I describe in this episode, let alone Product Board. Now, I have two interviews with Hubert Palin from back in 2015. I'll put links into the show notes to those. I think you'll find the ideas about the product management system of record as a concept hold up pretty well five years later even if the way I suggest building one is slightly obsolete, given that Product Board and some other applications are in the market now. Four, three, two, one. We have ignition. I'm going to talk today about what I've been calling the product management system of record. Partly this is because it's been top of mind for me lately but also next week as I speak this I'll be giving a workshop on the product management system of record on building one out of what I call baling wire and chewing gum at the product summit in San Francisco. There will be a link to this workshop and the rest of the product summit in the show notes. Now as product managers we create products, sure, that's in our name, but don't forget the rest of the process that we go through. To be successful those products need to solve an urgent pervasive market problem for a defined group of customers who are willing to pay for the solution and when we create that solution we need to get it to market. We need to have the salespeople and the marketing people know what to say to the market so that people will know that they want it and will buy it. So to do that there's a bunch of activities that we do as product managers. We talk to customers. We innovate around what we hear from the market. We validate those findings of new market problems. And we define product plans to create the solutions to those problems. We specify features. We guide the creation of the solutions. And we work with sales and marketing to get the solutions to market. However, we don't have a system of record for any of those activities except for, potentially, stuff around features if we're using a bug tracking system or requirements management system. But all the rest of it, we don't have a system of record. For example, if I or you go out to a customer to do some market research, what happens? Well, we'll talk to the customer, we'll interview them, we'll take some notes, it might be in Word or on paper or in Evernote. When we come back from the customer, we'll tell everybody, hey I visited the customer, that's awesome. Um, I might send out a copy of my notes, Um, There might be some snippets of information in there in the notes that that seem important so I might highlight those, maybe even pull them into another document where I might look at them later. And in the future hopefully some of that conversation will float up in my brain when I'm talking to another customer or after I've talked to several customers and I'll start to see that there's a market problem that I can do some innovation around. That's all what happens today. What doesn't happen today usually is that the interview notes become an enterprise asset. In other words, they become accessible to everyone and valuable to everyone. And the key snippets of information, those things that I highlighted, the tidbits, they don't become an enterprise asset either, which means that other people can't make use of them. Now, this is just one example of a lot of activities where we PMs do something important, but there's no official place to put the outcome of the activity. And I can name dozens of these things that we do where we create something that you certainly could imagine as an enterprise asset but it's not stored in that way. So what would be better? Well let's get back to the customer interview example. I'd like to be able to easily compare the snippets I learned today with what I learned last week, last month, last year. And of course maybe I can do that with a lot of work based on my old notes. But I'd also like to be able to compare what I learned today with what you learned yesterday or last month or last year or what some product manager who's no longer even with the company learned last year or last month. The reason I'd like to do this is that one of the ways that you discover market problems is not by talking to individual customers, but by talking to multiple customers and seeing how the things that they talk about start to overlap. I'd also like a way to show how the snippets I gathered last year are turning into features this month. This is really valuable for talking to developers, for example. It turns out to be very compelling for developers and motivating, just as it is for us product managers, to understand how what they're working on is driven by the needs of a customer and by helping a customer have a better life in some way. Now, of course, whenever I talk about my snippets, I also mean your snippets and all the other snippets from the enterprise. And I'd really like to, just in general, be able to go back to all the things we've learned from customers at any time and rifle through them to see if new insights pop up. That happens all the time if you have a prepared mind or a system of record where all that information is stored. Now as I mentioned, there really aren't tools out there that can support this today, at least not in so many words. So my goal in the workshop that I mentioned earlier and over time is to come up with some ways to take what we already do. In other words, we're already doing a lot of manual work to capture this information and figure out what's the minimum amount more manual work we can do to make it a lot more valuable in the way that I described. So I have some criteria for the kind of manual work that I'm willing to do. First of all, there has to not be too much of it. It has to save me from repeating myself. and I'll talk about that later in the context particularly of sales materials but basically it means I don't have to do the same thing over and over again. Um, There's a lot of benefit in the resulting information. I I want my manual work to give me a lot of benefit in return for doing the manual work. And ideally there's benefit in actually doing the manual work. It's another opportunity to have insights. For example, one of the things I'm going to describe is capturing these snippets that I talked about earlier, which we may already be highlighting, but I'm talking about highlighting them, then copying them. But by doing this interaction with these snippets, I'm probably expanding my brain in terms of coming up and being able to see more easily problems that the customer is having. So the real question is, what's the maximum payoff I can get for the minimum additional amount of manual work? If you're familiar with Tim Ferriss and his 4-hour body book, he talks about the minimum effective dose. So what's the minimum effective dose of manual work that will get you a really good payoff but it won't be that much work? And you can think of this manual work also as kind of a concierge version of the ultimate product management repository which vendors may create as uh, based on maybe these conversations that we're having today. Now I'll quickly run through a basic outline of my vision of a system of record that's built out of baling wire and chewing gum. In fact it's really built from a wiki and I've been working a little bit with Confluence as my system of record and I'll tell you about how I'm sort of setting that up. Now I'm calling it a system of record, but that might be a little too grand for some of you. You can also call it a product management repository, but the key point is it's capturing data that we already create, but in a way that makes it more usable, more valuable, more multiplicative. The way that I've divided it up are sort of the front end of the process, in other words, the finding a market problem part of the process and the back end, the go-to-market part of the process. So the components for the front end of the process, or the finding a market problem part of the process, are things like customers. I'm going to have a page in my Confluence that lists all the customers I've talked to. And for each of those customers, there's going to be a page. And linked to that page are the interviews. Awesome. And then linked to each of those interviews is going to be the snippets that I've gotten out of those interviews. And I've got a particular way of doing this it's a little bit of a manual process. You go through the interview. You highlight the snippet that seems interesting. You copy that into another page. It's just all the snippets from all the customers, and it's a, that's essentially a table. That table of snippets um, has the snippet. It has the customer. It has the date, and it may actually have multiple customers because what might happen is as you go through, you might start to see, oh, I've, I've heard the same thing from multiple people. That's actually one of the things you're aiming for. Then there's another section of the wiki, which is really market problem candidates. So you got these snippets, you do some analysis on them, maybe as part of the team, and you come up with some candidates for market problems that you may be able to solve. And so there's a ma- some activities you do around those. You maybe do some mock-ups, you maybe create a prototype. You maybe take those out to be validated to the market. And eventually they some of them become validated market problems, another section of the wiki. And so what you want to have in the Validated Market Problems section is the things that you have validated are significant market problems that someone will pay for and that you can now choose whether or not you're going to put into your product or even create a new product around. Once you've found these problems, then you need to start creating features that solve those problems. Features are really solutions to problems. What you're going to be doing in this section of the wiki is writing up the features that solve the problems that you've created. And Of course, all these are going to be linked together because that's one of the beauties of the wiki. It's very easy to link these things together. So at any time I can look at a feature and I can say, oh, what problem is this feature solving? And I can follow the link and there's that problem. How do we know that was a problem? Well, I can follow the link and I can see the validations. I can follow the other links and see what customers expressed this uh, interest in this problem or express the frustration that led us to discover the problem. A few other things in this section of the of the wiki are things like releases. and This is not information really about the project management aspect of the release, when it's going to be done, how many resources, blah blah blah. This is why are we doing this release? What are the major features of, the, of this release? How should we talk about this release to the market? Things like that. The product management level of product marketing around a release. Now the other set of components is really the the go to market piece. So the idea of this section is is it's where product marketing and sales go to get the information they need to do their jobs. Now they're going to still talk to you and you're going to still have to answer questions, but some of the questions that you get, you get a lot. The same question again and again. This is something that, well, it frustrates me. I don't know if it frustrates other product managers. And so I think it'd be really valuable to have a repository where the product management side of the story for marketing and sales lives, and so you can get that question and you can choose to answer it, or you can choose to say, look over here, there's an answer already created. And this is things like the value proposition. There's multiple reasons for putting the value proposition into into a repository. One of them is that it, once you've got it there, then everybody can go look at it. But the other is there's a lot of collaboration that goes into creating that value proposition, and you can use the repository for doing the collaboration as well. And So maybe you'll actually have multiple value propositions. You might have different value propositions for different market segments, for example. Another thing that goes into this section is the competitors. Not just each competitor, but what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and in particular the things that the salesperson can say in a sales engagement to convince a particular customer that our solution is better than the competitor's solution because of these reasons. Going along with that, you also want information about the market segmentation. How do I tell the difference between a customer who would be a good prospect for my solution versus a customer who would be a bad prospect for my solution? They may look pretty much alike, those two people, but one of them might be very easy to sell to and one of them might be very difficult to sell to. It's nice to be able to tell those two people apart before you start putting a lot of effort into sales, particularly to the one who's going to be hard to sell to. Discovery questions, a common thing that product managers create for sales organizations. It would be nice to have those in a repository. So typically, in my experience, those just are Word docs that float around and everybody asks, oh, is this up to date? It would be very nice if that was in a repository. You could individually update the questions as you needed to and so on. So let me just make a couple of quick notes about the disadvantages and risks of this approach. Because there definitely are some disadvantages and risks obviously it's not automated. This is the big thing about this chewing gum and baling wire approach is that it's not automated. It's not a real product. There's some actually pluses on that because it does mean that we can make it do the things we need it to do. We just have to put some elbow grease into it and hopefully not very much as I talked about my criteria for manual work. To me that's the primary disadvantage. Now there's some risks which are I guess maybe that's an aspect of disadvantage. The risks are that you do this work and it's not used. The product managers don't go ahead and put their interview notes in, they don't do the value proposition, blah, blah, blah. So I think there are some ways to mitigate that risk. One is to do some good basic design up front. Obviously, in any product management organization, we have certain expectations of how we're gonna do the work, right? That we're gonna talk to customers, that we're gonna do some kinds of innovation, that we're gonna provide materials for sales. So we're gonna do all that stuff anyway, or we should be. One of the things I'm saying is, is make sure that it isn't onerous to make that stuff become a system of record and that hopefully will help avoid the not used. The other thing is to not make it too over, too heavy. So, part of the goal here is to really balance the amount of manual work that has to be done in order to make this valuable. And I think it's, it can be a pretty small amount of manual work to make it valuable and that will result in a lot of value. There's risks that it's um, not used by other organizations. Right, So, maybe what happens if the engineers don't go back to the system of record to see why they're building something? Well, that's okay. They can choose to do that or not. Um, and you probably are still, as a product manager, selling the fact that there is customer information backing up this request. And oftentimes that's enough. Right, You don't necessarily have to have the engineers go and visit the system of record to validate that you're telling them the truth particularly if you've built up some credibility with the organization. This is also true for sales and and marketing. Chances are that sales and marketing will not automatically go to the system of record, at least not initially, and so there's a couple ways you can deal with that. One is you can say, okay, fine, I will go to the system of record and get the thing and send it to you. Or you can say, I'm sorry, that's in the system of record, here's the link, go get it yourself what you really want to avoid is having to then having to write a new version of each of these things that's already in the system of record that's the big thing to avoid i've gone on a long time about the system of record and i'd love to hear your feedback on these ideas i think it's pretty compelling i've shared this with a few people who also think it's compelling i think there are some potential problems and I, and we need to work them out and we need to start trying this but i think we have the technology to enable us to start storing up this stuff that we create and make a lot better use of it than we are today. So that was me five years ago on audio equipment that wasn't quite as good as what I use today, as you can tell. As I said at the top, the ideas in this episode are still valuable, even if only as a mental model, and of course now you can buy applications that do some of what I discussed, especially the stuff related to managing the input side the customer interviews, the feedback from the market, and enhancing your ability to get value from all that information. You know, I've been involved with Product Board from the beginning since I met Hubert Palin at that conference. I'm officially an advisor, and I do have a small amount, a very tiny amount of equity in the company, so full disclosure there. If you're familiar with Product Board, you might notice echoes in what I describe in this episode and what Product Board supports, especially in this idea of the snippets of conversation. Now, There's a few other applications that also address some of these problems. I'm not as familiar with them, and I can't name them off, but I'm happy to have a conversation with you if you're interested in talking about this idea in more depth. So let me talk about two more points before we finish up. First, I mentioned that accounting had a system of records since the 15th century, but without any explanation. And by that, I meant double-entry bookkeeping. It has this long history, which is reaching back to The medieval Romans, and it was also separately invented in Korea in the 11th century. The system was first documented in 1494 by a dude named Luca Pacioli, who wrote a book in Venice about double entry bookkeeping. It was called Double Entry Bookkeeping, but in Italian, of course. It had really a big impact, double entry bookkeeping, on how business was done throughout the world. It really put business on a much solider footing from a financial standpoint. Now, of course, in the 20th century, accounting was moved into the computer world, and it became an automated system of record. But the point is that the system of record is the most important part of this idea. And in fact, one of the reasons I had this idea of sort of a semi-manual system of record was inspired by this idea of double-entry bookkeeping, which is a was until the 20th century a very manual process. You had to actually write the numbers into the into the books. The automation makes it a lot more convenient, but the system of record is the important part. Now, there's also another aspect of this, which leads into the second point I wanted to make. The product management system of record is going to stretch across multiple systems. It's just in the nature of things. I mean, in terms of automated systems. The back office system of record, which is where the accounting happens, it might be called the ERP system or the accounting system, it's mostly self-contained. But as the organization puts additional systems of record into place, like the customer's system of record, which is the CRM, or the development system of record, which is all the development tools, they tend to always need to contain, usually by reference, parts of other systems of record. So, for example, just as a simple example, and I'm not sure how totally accurate it is, but it's a good mental model, one of the properties of a customer is that they are in good standing, meaning they've paid their most recent bill. Well, that data is probably not in the CRM system, which is the Customer Relationship Management System. It's in the ERP system. So I'm not going to go into great detail on this, but that's a simple example to think about. In order to find out if a customer is at good standing, you're going to be referring to the ERP system, basically, is the way to think about it. But it's very much so in the product management system of record, even more so. So in the PM system of record, we have our conversations with customers and our snippets that lead us to determine that solving a particular business problem would make a good product offering. Now, the system of record for the customers to whom we're talking is, of course, the CRM system. And our product management system can hopefully just maintain that connection between them. Now, the system of record of creating the product itself, that's the development system of record. It's going to reside in in JIRA or another task tracking system. There's also going to be source code control systems and all those sorts of things which really create the system of record of the development project. And there might be a project management tool as well. So our product management system will have to refer to the JIRA system, to the appropriate epics or features for that portion of the record of delivering the solution. And so conversely, maybe a developer wants to understand more about why they're building a particular feature. As I mentioned in the episode, they're going to go back through the links They're going to trace the feature's provenance back to the product management system of record to the original conversations with customers and prospects and the various experiments and validations that led us to the decision to create the feature. So again, the product management system of record is not a single thing typically. It's going to be sort of live across multiple things, but there is a lot of what we have to do that doesn't really have a system of record, and that's what I described in this episode. So... In the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com 333, you can find links to a few related articles. I did publish an article on the product management system of record on Mike Smart's blog, Product Management 2.0. I'll give you a link to that in the show notes. I have a few more brief articles related to product management system of record on the Secret Product Manager handbook site. Again, I'll put links in. And just for uh, your own interest... I have a link to the Wikipedia article about double-entry bookkeeping, which is pretty interesting. And, of course, I'll link to the original show page, so you can go read that if you, if you care to. And there's also a link to Buy My Book, if you care to do that, The Secret Product Manager Handbook, which some people have said is like sitting with a mentor. It's full of even more product management tips and a bunch of things that you can think about doing with your product management system of record. There's also links on the page to subscribe to the podcast and all the different podcast podcasts platforms like iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and Spotify. I'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes or at least click the recommend button on your podcast player. Your recommendations really help other product managers and innovators find the podcast, so it helps me out and spreads the word. It's really great. You can also just share the podcast with your friends and colleagues directly. In most players, you can send people an email with the podcast and things like that. I would love to hear from you either on this topic the product management system record, or any other product management topic, feel free to leave a comment in the show notes, or please do that. Or you can send me an email at nils at nilsdavis.com. There's actually lots of different ways to get in touch with me via email. You can figure it out. You can support the podcast by donating on my Patreon page. That's also linked in the show notes page. That helps me with things like the hosting for the podcast files and the editing, which I do all myself, but maybe in the future if I get a few Patreons, I can pay somebody to do the editing. That would be kind of awesome. This has been episode number 333 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. And until the next episode, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye. fire. Four, three, two, one. We have ignition.